Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the number one banking podcast. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Financial marketing has become increasingly complex as data and technology provides the opportunity for instant, personalized engagement. As consumer attention spans shorten and the world becomes cluttered with noise, bank marketing must adjust accordingly. Choice proliferation and the exponential pace of change creates a combustible combination of complexity. Opportunities for simple banking experiences resonate with greater loyalty and revenues being the reward. I'm excited to have James Robert Lay, founder and CEO of the Digital Growth Institute, on today's podcast for a second time. James Robert shares how banks and credit unions can simplify the marketing process with market-leading results. So welcome to the show again, James Robert. You know, it's been a while since we've met. I'm not saying we solved all the problems from the last time we met. There's quite a few still out there, but I think there's a new dimension about about what we're going to talk about. You know, many financial marketing organizations are overseeing and paying for a large volume of what I'll call low-quality content. Not that it's not good content, but we're trying to get the most from every dollar, and, and it's a different game simply because... You know, most marketers feel they need to be on every platform and every channel. With all the opportunities to use data, analytics, modern technology, it's easy to get lost in the complexity of the situation. So, James Robert, can today's abundance of data, analytics, technology be matched with simplicity and creative creativity? Can it go hand in hand? It has to go hand in hand. Uh, we have to figure out a way to, we'll, we'll say, calm the chaos. Uh, we need to steer the ship in the right direction because otherwise we're going to get continuously get tossed and turned. And it's a matter of distilling down what are the few things that we can focus on that will create the greatest amount of value, not just for ourselves as financial brands, but more importantly, for the people in the community quote unquote, that we're serving. And the reasons I put communities in quotes is, is because community is no longer a, a place defined by physical borders or boundaries or zip codes like we've traditionally thought about it in banking. Community is now something that I would say is rooted deeper within the minds of each of us as individuals. You know, it's interesting. When you look at marketing, marketing many times had been positioned in a way to sell to the customer. We we got our budgets approved based on how much we would sell. It was many, pretty much product-driven. Now more than ever, it's got to be customer-driven. I know you agree with that, but how can a bank and credit union become the customer's partner in the quest for simplicity of choice and a seamless customer experience? You know, COVID gave us time to pause. It gave us time to think about the existential question, why are we here um, as individuals? And then also as organizations, and it's my hope that as organizations, we're able to take some of that thinking further because people are, are in control. We know that they're more in control now than ever before of, of what they consume, the media that they consume. Uh, and it's, it's the media, it's the content that they consume that will help them get beyond the pain that they're feeling in the present moment to get to the future that they are wanting 
to create. And there's this idea of, of, of really community and I would say collaboration because a lot of innovation, we'll call it product innovation or, or marketing innovation, content innovation, a lot of that has been driven internally from the lens of what a bank or a financial brand needs. Going forward though, if we can build communities of like minds, we can begin to solve the what I call the the common people problems causing common people pain. And it's these big problems that we have repeated patterns around. So for example, we know financial well-being. That's an obvious, it's a given. But it's really the implications of financial well-being that takes on a person's physical well-being and how that manifests, and then also mental well-being as well, even relational well-being, environmental well-being. All of these you know, points are going hand in hand together now. Uh, Honeyfy, FinTech Honeyfy did a study a while back uh, around the relational well-being and how that has impacted financially. And they found that couples who improve their financial situation actually have better sex. Well, there's a there's a good sound bite. Yeah, you know, I think I think this is a thing. The point is, it's not just about dollars and cents anymore. It's about putting the transformation of people beyond the commoditization of 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 just the product, and it's really getting deeper into the humanities, if you will of money and how that impacts all these different areas of a person's life. Because if you can, if you could put the transformation of people first, and if you can transform a person's wallet, their financial well-being, all of these other areas in their life will begin to improve as a, a result of this. Uh, Dr. Uh, Joyce Myers, she wrote about this in her book called The Financial Mindset Fix. She's a, a, a clinical psychologist out of Chicago. And one of the things that she found through her own work with her own practice, with her own people she was helping is once they begin to fix their financial life, all these other areas, well-being, mental, physical, relational, they all begin to improve and open up. Now, what's interesting, though, is that makes it so that not only does a financial marketer have to understand the new tools they have, but you're now putting another layer of what the responsibility is going to be about how to communicate and what to communicate to the customer member. So how do they get there? You, you, you know, we talk about trying to simplify the complexities of the world, but really, are we not making it even more complex for the financial marketer or... Is there a way to slice and dice this in such a way that a financial marker can actually make that impact with maybe less effort or lower levels of effort? You know, I would say if if you asked me where would we start on this a few years ago, I would have said strategy because that's like the default answer. But I want to roll this back a little bit because you're touching into complexity. I'm now making an argument to really begin any type of transformational initiative, whether that be marketing or technology, don't start with strategy or the thinking, begin that transformational initiative with training and education. And here's why, I call these the three T's for 
transformation. Number one, we have to tell the truth to ourselves, where we have been, where we're at, and where we can grow next. And it's that where we can grow next, that's the ambiguity. That's the that's the complexity. Because I'm not exactly sure what that could be, what that might look like. I, I'm hearing a lot of different things from a lot of different people, so therefore I'm feeling overwhelmed. So that's where the training, the, the second T, the training, the education, what that does is it helps to provide some context, a framework, a common language within an organization marketing team, sales team, leadership team, models, methodologies that take some of these pie in the sky ideas and begins to simplify them down into tools that we can communicate around. That's number two. And then number three, that's where we can begin to take time to think about our next best steps going forward as we're now speaking a common language. And one of the the best models that I've been able to help communicate and bring alignment is what I call the banker's strategy circle. This is a model framed around the consumer journey that has been historically thought about in banking as two points. We drive some type of awareness at the top of the funnel and then we drive some type of conversion, but we're missing something in the middle. That's the gap I feel that we need to begin to close so that we can help figure out what are the few things once again that we can focus on to create the greatest value going forward. So that being said, when you look at financial institutions today, with all the tools a marketer and organization has, what do you see as the major challenge faced by financial institutions in delivering a powerful marketing message at scale? I would say it's the automation piece uh, of it. Even even now, um, we're working way harder than we have to. Uh, and I think if we think about experience, um, Izzy Sharp, founder of the Four Seasons Hotel, had a great line on this to where we look for opportunities to systemize the predictable so that we can humanize the exceptional. And on that note around automation, it, it gives us the ability to take, to take data from a lot of different areas of a consumer's journey. Let's come back to the banker's strategy circle. What does that mean? Well, it's an acronym. The B, build an audience with data to where we can move to the A so we can attract the right people with personalized offers to then in nurture those relationships with content through automation to take them to the C, convert them for loans and deposits to then the E, expand the relationship by delighting accounts to then the R, repeat the process with ratings, with reviews, and ultimately with referrals. And then we create this virtuous cycle that drives someone else through the same type of a process. Now, I think the challenge comes from the fact of, well, that's, where do I begin? That's a lot. So like, do I do it all at one time? Absolutely not. Let's simplify this down. I would say start at the top to where we need to figure out, are we, are we capturing as much opportunity as we think we are digitally with conversions? Because through our studies, you know this, I know this, a lot of us know the abandonment rate is just exponentially high. Well, what can we do to take a 85, 95% abandonment rate on applications and we begin to either A, 
we shrink that down by improved user experiences on the most important part of the buying journey, which is conversion, or B, we put systems and processes into play to where we're now following up with abandoned applications. And for the financial brands that we have coached, that we have guided, who have done this, have actually increased yeah. their conversion rates by 15 to 20% by just sending a follow-up email for people who have started the application and have abandoned it. Or they get an outbound call from a human being saying, hey, we saw you started this. We saw you got confused. What can we do to help? And it's just a simple outreach to where we're not having to do anything more complex at the top of the funnel. No, no new ads or channels. We're really focusing on what we're losing today. It's interesting. We interviewed Citibank, gosh, it's about four months ago. And they said exactly that. They said, we have not been able yet to master the shortened application process. So we haven't been able to make the new account opening or the application process short. But what we did, we put in this back, back, you know, the after the effect thing where we said everybody who starts to abandon, we immediately contact them. They said, actually, our results were better than they were before when the process wasn't that involved. And so, you know, it's one of those things saying, let's not try to simply, let's not overthink the process of what we have to fix. Maybe initially we've got to fix just the experience, as you mentioned. You know, it, it's interesting because you bring up these examples and, you, and you, you, you know, the same for big and small organizations. You know, when you look at, I mean, you're the, you head of the Digital Marketing Institute, and when you look at marketing today, how does digital marketing differ or does it differ from the way marketing has been done in the past? Besides the tools. Yeah, if we look at how marketing was done historically, it was done from a broad brush, one to many messaging. Um, that's That type of thinking was initially deployed into digital marketing strategies and tactics. The opportunity going forward, however, it were the gold standard would be that one-to-one messaging. That's what everyone is looking for. And let's simplify this again with a practical example. Marketing automation, once again. We tie a marketing automation platform into a website that sells, whose primary job is to generate leads at different stages of the buying funnel, because the more leads that we generate at different stages, the more we collect this first party data, which that first party data is going to be even more important, knowing that third party data, third party uh, cookies, for example, are going away. So now I'm tracking all of this activity of, of, of prospects and customers and account holders alike on our website. Now I can take a proactive stance and send them a one-to-one -one communication based upon activities that they are taking because we must market and provide a path forward when they have a need, not when we, the organization, have a need. So for example, if someone is browsing the mortgage page on the website, and then they're looking at mortgage rates and mortgage calculators, all of that information can be collected and we can provide a couple of things. We can provide a personalized ad on the homepage. More importantly, we could probably provide a personalized ad on a, I would call it a segmented login page. That then also translates back into online banking. So now we have cross-platform uh, uh, dissemin dissemination of data 
We can send a proactive email and we can use the email now as a unique identifier, which we're then connecting into these third party accounts to remarket and provide messaging across multiple channels. But none of that really matters if we're not capturing all of the information or all of the the leads that are coming in organically. So I like to, to recommend solving the problem from working from the bottom to the top instead of the top to the bottom. And right. that, that framework is TLC, Traffic Leads Conversion. We, we fix the conversion challenges and then we can move up to the lead capturing challenges and opportunities. And once all of those are solid, now we can begin to start pouring fuel on the fire, pour, pouring fuel into the engine to really rev the engine up and start driving traffic, then leads and ultimately conversions. And I think a lot of times we want to do all of this top of the funnel traffic, drive more traffic, but in essence, that drives more complexity. So again, what you're really talking about is a, it's a relatively complex program made simple through automation. And, and you know, I've, I've said it many times before, there's never been a more important time to partner with third-party organizations that have gotten it right in the past and continue to get it right for a number of different organizations. So at least you get those early wins and you're able to leverage their experience and put your time and effort into branding and into what makes your organization different from the one down the street. Because, you know, the people down the street could be partnering with the exact same organization to, to implement the program, but it really is going to be the differentiation comes in the branding and how well you execute in the back end, isn't it? It, it really is. And it's that execution. And, and, and this is the interesting thing. And this is one of the reasons why let's roll this back to where, you know, where do you begin? Do you begin with strategy or do you begin with training and education? And what I have found over the years is you can go into an organization and we'll just say we have 10 organizations and provide similar but still bespoke recommendations. Why is it that one, maybe two, apply those recommendations to the fullest extent and then the other eight are, are floundering? They're struggling. And from multiple conversations, it comes back from a lack of knowledge or a lack of awareness or a lack of a common language even. So it's the strategies that I don't fully understand. Now, I might understand them in marketing, but that's not getting translated over into the sales team or into the service team or into leadership team. And what happens when we don't understand something? We typically don't want to do it. And, 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 and furthermore, that gets amplified and multiplied. I don't want to admit that I don't know something. So if we can say, just take a step back and we can create a safe space to have open, honest dialogue and discussion to tell the truth, that's where I see some of the greatest opportunities come to re- remove the complexity. Once again, focus on the few things that are going to really move the needle, get those quick wins. And so if right. we can put this into a process, clarity first, and that comes through training and education, courage and commitment comes through the strategic thinking, and then the confidence comes from continuously doing, reviewing, and optimizing, and having that ability to change direction based upon new data, based upon new insight. You know, you start, talk about that new data, new insight. I was fortunate enough to have Roger, Roger, Raja, Raja Manier, the CMO of MasterCard, on the podcast a while back, and he discussed the importance 
of letting customers have a voice in how the enterprise actually implements their their marketing. How can a bank or credit union do this? So this let's get back to the idea of community, right? A digital community that I own. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't own, own it. LinkedIn doesn't own it. This is a platform that I own. I'm collecting all of this customer data. And on top of that, I'm bringing customers together to help one another out. Because here's the thing. If, if we know that 85% of people are struggling financially, and we've been providing all of this financial literacy and all this financial education, but we're still kind of in the same exact place that we were five, 10 years ago, well, something has to change because that's insanity. If we're going to keep repeating the yeah. same thing, expecting a different result. So, so my thing is really a, a few things. Number one, curriculum, which is that financial education, but, but that's only one part of the equation. When it, when it comes to building a community. Community also provides the, the potential for coaching. And I think it's that coaching aspect that is, is, has the potential to release the break, to, to propel people forward. And it also opens up the potential for new revenue opportunity as well, because financial coaching, and I think we have to be very careful with this, there's financial coaching, but then there's also this more of what I would call a greater aspect of helping people just become clear of what they want to achieve in their own futures. Because it's almost like we have to give people the permission to create their future self. Um, and, and I know this is getting into like a deeper level, like a psych psychological conversation, but the more that I keep studying this, the more that I'm like, this makes a ton of sense. I'm gonna give you a story around this idea of community and coaching and curriculum and content. Um, they're about uh, a billion and a half dollar institution out on the East Coast. Um, they launched a program uh, called Get Beyond Money. This is Tropical Financial. And they were hosting a virtual community meetup, um, getting people to start having these conversations about just money and financial stress. Once again, it, people find it easier to talk about sex than they, they do to talk about money. And I think the more that we can facilitate these dialogues and discussions, the more that we can learn what's really hurting them, what's really causing them problems. The, the VP of marketing, Amy McGraw, she had the courage to share her own financial struggle story with a group of a couple hundred people. And what happened after that was really just magical. She said, people begin to open up and really share what was bothering them, what their pains were. And this is this idea of co-creating, co-collaboration to where we're tapping into a group and we're really learning from them out of ways that it's not a survey. It's more what I would say is qualitative by listening, by going all in. We ask, we listen, and then we learn. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So, you know, James Robert, there's a lot of talk about the potential of AI. And most banks, as we know, 
are not nearly as adept at this as they'd like to be. And in fact, even the biggest financial institutions admit we aren't really there yet when it comes to improving the customer experience. How can banks and credit unions get up to speed quickly on AI, or maybe put another way, do they even need to? I would say definitely they need to. And once again, it comes back to what we were talking about in the first half around this idea of just training, education, learning what are the possibilities to begin with and focusing on the positives. Because I think when you mention AI, when you mention automation, in the back of people's minds, they're like, well, what about me? Does that mean that my job is going to be replaced by a robot or a computer? And I don't think that's the case. I, I mean, you know, I think Brett said it, said it, says it best. Brett King says it best about this. It, it's about augmentation. It's about taking something and making it even that much better. And, and this is where, once again, I think AI will allow us to make proactive recommendations far beyond when a human being would even have the ability to say, hey, there's a problem. We have the potential for um, uh, someone leaving leaving our bank. We have the potential for default on a loan. We're gonna be able to get beyond because this is about pattern recognition, number one. But then number two, it's about taking those patterns and then informing a human being within inside a financial brand to get involved when they need to get involved. Because I, I, I believe that banking is still going to be a, a, a human centric experience when needed. Um, all of the transactional stuff, that's the, the idea for AI, for automation. But then whenever we need to get people involved, because money is a very emotional subject matter. Um, and from an AI and an automation, it's that human element that will make it even that much better. Because if you think about a lot of financial brands, they're in a very reactive state. But through AI, we can now take a proactive stance in a person's financial life. Staying on that subject in, to a degree, you know, we, we've talked about how we deliver marketing, but how is it changing in the way consumers are now consuming marketing? In other words, you know, what do we have to do differently? Because you mentioned the some of the stuff is just going to be intuitive. It's going to be ingrained. It's going to be embedded, whatever way you want to look at it. How do we have to adjust from a marketing perspective based on how you think the consumer is going to change their consumption of what we give them? Well, content, I think, is going to be the fuel of all of this. And we're starting to see this in other verticals. We're starting to see this in other industries. We've been talking about this for a very long time through the lens of financial services. It's this idea of helping first and selling Second, that's a mindset transformation in and of its own. But let's talk about the practicality of why this is important. Number one, um, if if we're seeing the demise of third party cookies, digital advertising is not going to get any easier going forward. We're probably going to see a clampdown of data, data being the oil of the digital economy. Um, I'm really interested to see how that plays out over the next five to 10 years. And I know a lot of marketers are lamenting that fact. Uh, really, this begin to be a big issue with the Facebook uh, Cambridge Analytica debacle uh, a couple of years ago. 
that then led the way to where we're also seeing, for example, ad blockers. We're seeing the rise of ad blockers being naturally in, in, installed into to web browsers, both on a desktop as well as mobile devices. But I think the one that really caught me by surprise was the iOS 15 update uh, impacting uh, Apple's uh, mailbox and limiting marketers to the ability to track open rates and click rates and all of that, that good AB testing data. If, if we, if we look at what has happened on the digital ad side, we're probably going to see the same exact thing happen in the inbox. Apple led the way Google followed. So imagine all of your Gmail data uh, and maybe even your Microsoft inbox data being gone one day. Well, so what are we really left with? It's almost like we're seeing what is old is now new again search, SEO, all of that is going to continue to have a, a, a growing importance. That's where content is going to come back into play. But I want to give a framework that I, I would love to see financial brands implement. And it starts with kind of what we're doing right here today. This is all about the conversation. Imagine if I'm a financial brand and I have these different business lines and each business line has a podcast and that podcast right. then invites their ideal uh, client. Maybe they invite a previous customer in and we have a conversation. What happens? That podcast has the ability to be turned into multiple forms of content following this discussion. So there's a networking component, there's a community component, there's a market research and insight component. Then there's the whole marketing aspect of this to where we can create an article that's good SEO juice. We can transform this into social media content. And I think it's on the social media side too, where micro has the potential to beat the macro. Um, and what I mean by that is employee advocacy, turning our key stakeholders internally, our lenders, our leaders, our branch managers into micro influencers within a local community to share and disseminate all of the content that we're producing as an organization to help first to sell second. But it's also about offering hope to give people hope that, hey, when they have a question, when they have a problem, I now have a human being that I can turn to because I still see people do business with people. People still bank with people, but we need to empower our internal people to build the personal brands and the confidence to do exactly what they've been doing in the real world for the last 50 years to do that in the digital world through the lens of digital community. On the same wavelength here, you know, the pandemic gave consumers a heavy dose in the importance of social awareness, sustainability, and a sense of community. How important are these elements in the future of marketing? And how does a marketer portray this when they're also trying to support the products and services that they're trying to promote? Oh, this is, this is probably one of the greatest sources of conflict, but it's also one of the greatest sources of opportunity as well. Purpose, I see, is the path forward to really create a bigger future beyond the present moment. Purpose, purpose is what brings people together. Purpose is an opportunity, once again, to solve what I mentioned before, to solve these common people problems causing common people pain. And 
and and financial well-being is there, mental well-being, physical well-being, environmental well-being. On the environmental side, you see that with aspiration. Like that is a big part of their positioning, this idea of of the environment. Um, and they're they're wrapping all of their product positioning around it, they're wrapping all of their marketing around it. Um, and when you think about purpose, it gives rise to the potential to tap into niche market opportunities. Um, and in the future, is it possible to see more of a portfolio play for financial brands to where there's a corporate brand, but underneath that corporate umbrella, there are niche micro brands that are kind of a part of a, a cross-sectional portfolio play? Well, this, this is more possible than ever with digital banking because it doesn't have to, you, you can do scale across the country where maybe in a certain market, a niche marketplace may not have generated the right amount of revenue or right amount of emphasis. We're seeing KeyBank do this on the medical and technology communities. We're seeing other banks building these segments that they can they can scale globally. KeyBank on the medical side, uh, you know, and once again, Community Bank out of San Antonio, Texas launched BankMD to tap into the same idea. There's another yeah. community institution uh, that is in our program out of the Northwest, and they're looking at tapping into nationwide solar. And so it's these niche markets that go beyond the physical boundaries once again and tap into maybe it's a social cause or maybe it's a, a, a small business play. And if you think small business, well, what's underneath a small business? Um, you, you've got restaurants. Um, you've got uh, health and fitness centers. I mean, what? There's so. This is where I just yeah. get so excited because it's it's tapping in, but it comes down to why are we existing in the first place? It's that it's that great COVID pause question that we had a couple of years to think about. Why? Why am I here? Why is our organization here? And then and then and more more important. Who, who can we create value for? I think so many times as an organization, particularly within the lens of marketing, we think, well, this is what we do and we think this is how we do it. The what being the product, the how being the experience. If we can ascend that and think about more importantly, who can we do this for and do it really, really well and then look for scale, not just at a local market level, but at a national level, maybe even at an yeah. international level, then it's, well, okay, great, we got the who, What's the why? Why do we do what we do? Because the why is what people really buy in the end. So for banks and credit unions looking to simplify this massive complexity at our fingertips, where should they start? I want to give a I want to give a framework for this. I, I I call this the the four environments for exponential growth. Step number one, we gotta create space and time to continuously learn to continuously understand what's coming down the pipe because COVID has just been a preview of all of the exponential changes that we are going to experience over the next decade. Some are going to be extremely exciting. Some might be a little frightening. And I think if we can just look at this through the eyes of a curious kindergartner, leave no stone unturned. Because if you think as yourself as a kindergarten, you pick up those stones, you don't know what's going to be underneath that stone. Always look for the opportunity. Learning, number one, learning provides clarity. Number two, taking time to really think about what you've learned and how it is applied through the context of not what you do or how you do it, but more importantly, why you do it and who you do it for. That's what I call knowing. 
learning and thinking. But knowing is not going to move the needle. We have to apply that. And to apply that to grow, to go from knowing to growing, we need to do, but we must be careful to not just continuously get stuck in the doing of digital or the doing of whatever. I see that people get stuck on autopilot. And so we need a forcing function then to pause what we're doing, to review and reflect what we've done, to then take it back to the to that step number one, which is to learn, then to think, then to do, then to review. And if we could do this on a 90-day rolling model, we will be able to adapt and adjust way more quickly than we were operating before. And I think it takes some time, it takes some habit, it takes some intention, but operating on a 90-day growth cycle is something that I'm very hopeful for financial brands going forward into the future. You know, it, it brings back home the whole concept of speed. Speed in finding the partner, speed in implementing things that are going to give you quick and easy results, speed in deploying communication based on customer activities and behaviors, and then speed of continuously evolving and learning the process. You know, it couldn't be said any better. Finally, James Robert, who will be the winners in the future? Will they be big banks, fintech firms, major tech companies? Will it be a bank? Will it be credit unions? Or will there be some identifier that you're going to be able to say, this was the kind of organization that almost always won? It's going to be the people, it's going to be the brands that are under able to understand and get close to the people. Um, and that comes down to two things. It comes down to, we'll call it community, which is typically what I've called audience up to this point. But I'm very careful with these words because I was really big on audience building up until about the time of the pandemic. And then what I noticed was it's not about building audiences anymore because the problem with an, uh, with that word audience is it's still one way communication. Yep. I'm yep. speaking out to the masses and no, this has to be a dialogue, a discourse, a discussion. That's the community, but it's community when combined with the, the technology, that's the exponential multiplier and then to bring in the coaching aspect of this is a way to accelerate that transformation. I really, I'm, I'm very interested in placing human transformation above the idea of digital transformation because at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all really working towards, human transformation for ourselves, for our teams, for our organizations, and ultimately for people in the communities that we're serving. You know, James Robert is always, I feel like sometimes my head's ready to explode because you have so much insight into what's going on in the marketplace. And, you know, it's interesting that last point you made about the culture, about the community, about the employees, all that. I'm going to go one step further as far as the winners. I think one thing I found, I know you found with regards to who you work with on a daily basis, it takes leadership. Because it is so easy to stay in place when financially we're all doing well. It is extraordinarily difficult to send a person to a class, to send a person to learn more, to take the time to learn more as an individual. And those organizations are going to do it well. Those who have the what I call the challenger mindset are those that embrace the learning opportunity, embrace the sharing opportunity, and embrace the community, as you said. James Robert, one, one thing I, before we get off uh, the podcast today, can you share with our audience, number one, how to get a hold of you, 
Number two, how to buy your book, which is imperative upon anybody who wants to do any financial marketing. His book and the upcoming book are both going to be excellent to read and, and are good um, learning starting points. And then how somebody can even do a deeper dive with you. Well, Jim, I appreciate just the time, the dialogue. The dis it's always a pleasure. It's always a fun because I, I mean, I've literally, I've come away and I'm already thinking of, well, maybe there are three things that we can expand further on this thinking here. So the best way to continue the conversation with me just Google me, James Robert Lay. LinkedIn me is probably the best way to make a connection. Reach out, say hello. Um, I always reply. Um, you can send me a text message, 415-579-3004 as well. Send a question. If you're listening and like, hey, I got a question about this, please send it uh, my way and I'll definitely respond with some thinking for you. You mentioned the book, Jim, Amazon uh, Banking on on digital growth. You can grab a copy there. And then also the podcast, Banking on Digital Growth as well. All great resources to just continuously educate, empower, and elevate yourself, your team, your financial brand, your fintech. James Robert, thank you again, as always. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Jim. Be well, do good, buddy. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please give our show a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our research for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to my producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roe Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Bruce. Until next time, remember that Making the simple complicated is commonplace. Making the complicated simple is the key to success. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.